Hey, welcome back. Welcome here. Thanks for finding us again, the Cool Dad Rules, like I always do. I'm going to take a little bit of uh, selfish time here to start off and just thank you personally for downloading the podcast, finding it, sharing it along. I appreciate the, the, the high rating, too. That, that really does mean a lot. Right there at Apple and uh, Google Podcasts, always appreciate that so much. And trying to bring you the relevant information that us parents go through of kids of any age. And I know I get the questions quite a bit. You know, a lot of you have the, the kids on the younger side. But uh, for somebody like me who has teenagers... Boy, this time of the year has really kind of set us, and if you're in the same boat, you can, you can kind of relate to this, into a little bit of a panic. Because you see all your friends with college-age kids or, you know, the, uh, the college drop-off that just happened here recently. It hit me, you know, where I think the natural question is, oh, my God, did we save enough? Are we doing right? Do they know how to apply, you know, for financial aid the right way? So it kind of sent me onto a search in that panic to try to get the right kind of information. And how to go to college without going broke. And lo and behold, I became aware of, through some videos of his class, called exactly that, how to go to college without going broke. A man named Ron Carruthers, he's an expert college financial planner, and he offers that class at uh, Mira Mesa and Palomar Colleges out in California. Well, a lot of us don't have the opportunity to take his class in person, so I figured, let's just call him. Let's get him on the line here and find out exactly what kinds of mistakes we can possibly avoid and to see if it's even possible. You know, we, we always hear about college debt these days, what the kids are saddled with. But, hey, you know what else? Us parents, too. We've got parents going broke these days. Let's try to avoid that. Ron, I can't thank you enough for your time. First of all, thanks for being here. You have no idea how happy I am to be on this show. I love talking about this. Well, it's your thing. So. It's your, And, you You know, I happen to know this just because I kind of searched you out, you know, ahead of time. I would love if you could even start this off by just telling your personal story about, you know, we won't say how many years ago, but <laughs> you, were, you, were the college, you were the college student who had great grades, but you couldn't follow that dream because of money. And that's, that's a sin. I think that happens way too much these days. It really does. You know, what's an interesting statistic on this is right before Obama left office, they did a survey and they realized that 47%, 47% of the families that were eligible for free money for college never even bothered applying. Wow. They just got frustrated with the process. Sure. In my own case, which you mentioned, I grew up in Southern California, mm-hmm. and my parents were lower middle class. I ended up graduating number one in my high school's class. Wow. And and it was actually number one out of like 419 students. There wasn't like number one out of a graduating class of two. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good stat, sure. Yeah, it's not bad, right? I mean, I would never tell anybody except for what I do. Right. And the reason I, we didn't have the money for me to go to college, it just like I went to a high school where kids got Porsches for their 16th birthday, <laughs> and that was not my family. So I just went and worked for a few years. I went back to school to be a certified financial planner and a CPA. And before I finished either program, I tripped over the college rules and realized there was a huge gap. The CFP program wasn't teaching it. The CPA program wasn't teaching it. There's this huge gap of how college works, mm-hmm. how you get money for college, what to do. And that became my life's work. That is literally what I've taught on every day of my life the last 26 years. Well, it's got to be it's got to be rewarding though, Ron, because I'm sure through your own personal journey here, you've discovered a lot of other families that have also fallen through the cracks here that didn't realize what was what was available to them. Absolutely. Absolutely true. So it's been really nice to help families kind of dispel the myth, mm-hmm. and we'll go through as many of those as we can, and hopefully you guys will really learn stuff 
and apply what you've learned because there really is money out there for almost everybody if you just understand the rules. Well, let's go through it now because I know that you, you know, the, the common mistakes you, uh, you always go through in your classes there and what you teach to, to clients individually as well. What, for, I guess this is the best way to start is what to avoid, you know, for any. And by the way, you know, there are a lot of people listening right now. I was just like this, too. It's like, oh, my kids are. My kids are really young. I've got time. You know what I mean? And I, won't, I won't worry about uh-huh. that. But I'm sure it's like everything else. The earlier you start, the better off you're going to be, right? Yeah, you blink, and they're, they're grown. Oh, anyways. yeah. That's the story of my life. Like, man, I meant to save. <laughs> I don't know what happened. The next thing I know, I'm buying a car, and oh, my goodness, we're looking at these schools, and I'm in deep trouble here. Yep. It's like, yep. You and everybody else, welcome to the club. It's just your turn. Let's go over these mistakes. People seem to relate to mistakes, Ron, you know, because they're afraid. (laughs) People are like fear-based. What are the most common mistakes, starting off with number one, that people make mistakes in the application process? Well, number one is not filing for financial aid. Uh, Like I said, 47% of the families that they figured out were eligible for it didn't even bother to apply to the process. It was too complicated. Which is so sad. Do they complicate it on purpose? Yeah, well, that's my theory on it. Yeah. Um, I will give you this. Congress, bless their little hearts, they're never really good at math. So the last time, though, that they simplified the form, they added 40 questions to it. <laughs> right. 40. Right. Oh, but it's easier. And it's like, no, you guys, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, and then, so not filing at all is a big mistake. So most parents and students have the application process down. So they know they got to apply, they got to get an install, their SMSAs, they understand that piece of it. Now there's things that can be done to optimize that. The part where everybody falls apart is when they get to financial aid, where it's a whole mystery. The other biggest myth is that people all think they make too much money. Right. Like everybody tells me that. Right. I won't Cinema, qualify. I mean, we're really, doing too well, yeah. Working part-time, you know, oh, I make too much money. Like, it's, my friends told me, and it's like, no, you can make into six figures and still qualify at the majority of schools for some free need-based financial aid. But parents tell other parents because they made a mistake on the paperwork or they didn't file it at all. And then they're surprised, oh, I didn't get any money. You won't get any money either, Bob. You made more money than I did. Right. I'm actually and surprised to this, hear that, yeah. It's this myth that I hear. I mean, I will teach a class with 10 examples of families who all made six figures, all owned stuff, had stuff, who got money, and a guy will walk up to me afterwards and just be like, yeah, I know, I, I just make too much money. I'm like, well, what do you make? Oh, I make like $75,000 a year. And it's like, dude, did you not pay attention? <laughs> he did. He did. It's just so foreign because they've all been told so much that you're not going to do it. So right. not following at all, not researching the schools. So the way financial aid works is there's a formula. It's really outside the scope of our talk today, but just understand there's a formula that Congress wrote. So there's things in there that make no sense. And on top of that, I don't want to call them loopholes, but there's opportunities. You can have money in two places that to your accountant would appear identical. Okay, right. One is going to count against you for financial aid, and the other is not. Ah. And so that's a big deal, because knowing that difference, knowing what not to list on the form, knowing what to list, knowing what to strategically move, that makes a huge difference. Sure. 
So there's little tweaks that you can make. Like I don't come in and overhaul a whole client's financial situation. What I do is come in and we're like, okay, let's tweak this. Let's tweak this. Mm-hmm. We just dropped what you were expected to pay by 70%. Wow. Just, now, by, just by that tweak, by moving some things around. And I could tell you stories literally all day. Wow. I mean, one of my favorite ones is a mom who came to me. She probably has referred 20 clients to me. She had three kids. They all went to private schools. Um, back east, they averaged $42,000 of free money a year per student. And the mom lives in a $2 million house. She sold it when her last kid graduated. Mm-hmm. But at the time, lived in a $2 million house, which out here isn't that crazy of a deal. Right. And had a... A, a rental condo right on the beach that was worth at least a million and they made six figures and it was a tweak or two. We weren't taking money from anybody else. We were just properly explaining their situation. Three different private colleges, $42,000 a year each. So just the free money alone per student was over $150,000. Wow. $450,000. Right. They didn't have to borrow. They didn't have to borrow just for paying attention. In class. And that's it. So it really is, now you have to make sure another mistake is not researching the schools that you're applying to mm-hmm. to see if they even have money to offer. Yeah, absolutely. So that's another big mistake. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the schools themselves will have something available for God knows what you know what you qualify for. Maybe they're looking for something specific, but at least it's worth a shot, right? Absolutely. So knowing in advance. If your family contribution, that's what they call it, expected family contribution, is 10000 and you're applying to a $30,000 your public school and a $70,000 your private school, that sticker price is irrelevant. What's important is that how much money, if you have $20,000 need of the public school, right, 30000 minus the 10, mm-hmm. how much of that are they going to help you with? Versus how much of the 60000 need you have at the private school are they going to help you with? Right. And as a general rule, the private school helps with more of that money and more than in free money. So it may end up not costing as much as even the public school. Now, that doesn't mean public schools aren't great. There's plenty of them that are. But that's the sort of research that parents should be doing, yep. ideally, as soon as their kid starts high school. Um freshman year, sophomore year, sure. because that can be the difference between going to the dream school, yep. even though it's more expensive, or just settling, which, you know, they're fine anyways, but but we give clients that opportunity to go to the more expensive school and not pay anything more and in many cases pay less, or to pay less than they should have at that public school. Right. Understanding the formula, understanding what they're supposed to give is key. And all that information is available, too. That's the beautiful thing. And it's not like it's going to take you, you know, a year's worth of research. You can start right away. No. Start right away. Exactly. So those are probably some of the key things that I see. Let me give you one other big mistake. Mm-hmm. For the average family listening to this podcast, don't, you don't want to put money into a 529. Hmm. I can give you six specific reasons, one of which is the fees are outrageous on them. Right. They're in the 3 to 4%. So each year, so that means your money has to earn at least 3 or 4% just to break even. Yeah. Then I mean, it has to earn another 3% to keep up with inflation. Yeah, to even beat it, right. And then they count against you at many of the schools that you apply to if you're otherwise eligible for financial aid. So if someone's listening to this and they make half a million dollars and up, 
and they own their own business, and it's been, they've been making that money for years. There's no chance they're going to make less. You save all you want to, for the 529s. Knock yourself out. But for everybody else, you need to, you need to tread cautiously. And again, what you have to remember, people are like, well, why do they keep telling me it's so great? Right, because that's all we people hear. People promoting them, people promoting them, might have gone through the Certified Financial Planner Program, which does not address paying for college. Mm-hmm. That's why I dropped out of the program. It was 2,000 pages of course curriculum, none of it addressing a college parent's needs. Wow. So that's something to keep in mind. Right. And that leads into, too, you know, the payment programs. I mean, we have, um, you know, a prepaid Florida program here in our state where, where I'm based. And I know that this, yep. this, this podcast goes out, you know, worldwide here. But a lot of states have the same thing. Is there a point in time with the prepaid programs, though, Ron, where it's like, well, you missed it? You know, if you're not putting yeah. in already, like, when they're in diapers, it's not going to work out for you. <laughs> You'll have to check on it specifically in your state because we don't have the prepaid program. Uh-huh. But I do have clients down in Florida. That program I like. Mm-hmm. Okay. 529 is the one you want to stay away from. The prepaid program, go for it. Right. That's a great program. Okay, right. And by the way, I'm not saying don't save for college. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the 529 probably isn't your preferred vehicle. But isn't it? You hit on something really important, Ron. We hear it all the time. Ask anybody. Go find 10 people on the street and ask them, you know, of our age and ask them about the 529. Oh, great. You know, I recommend it to everybody. It's the, it seems to be like a lot of PR. I don't think a lot of people look into it like you're saying very much at all. But you know why? Let me tell you this. I have a groupie. Exactly one groupie. <laughs> I think he dies, though. But when I used to teach, this guy would show up in my classes twice a year, pay to attend the class, this is a community college. I feel like the third time I'm like, man, you can just show up. Like, we're <laughs> friends now. Like, it's okay. You're my plus one. <laughs> and he was buddies with Lawrence Sumner, who served in the Clinton administration as the Secretary of the Treasury, mm-hmm. and then went on to be the Dean of Harvard. And he was the Dean of Harvard at the time when these 529 plans really came into the spotlight. Sure. So my buddy calls him up because it was his fraternity brother. And he goes, hey, uh, what's the deal on these 529 plans? What do you think? Here's the first thing the guy says to him, the head of Harvard. Are we on or off the record? Really? Uh-oh. That's and he a- goes, well, wait, wait, we're friends. Yeah. You know, we're off the record. He goes, they're the greatest thing Harvard's ever seen because they're not a college planning tool. They're an estate planning tool to get grandparents because you can get more money than you normally would be able to. Wow. And we're going to get that money, and it's less money that Harvard has to give out. Wow. Now, my buddy promised that he would be off the record. I didn't make that promise. So I tell everybody, hey, man, head of Harvard told his buddy, you know, like, Fox 29s are great for Harvard. So the colleges love them. Wow. Because they're able to lower the amount of aid that they're giving. The states love them. Because part of the reason the fees are so high is because the states get a piece of that fee, and um, financial planners love them because they make a commission when they set them up. So, and, and not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but when you add it all together, and you're like, okay, wait a second, the fees are high, it may count against me, likely will count against me, and I have to take a risk sure. to get a gain, otherwise it's pointless because the only points of it is if you have a gain it comes out tax free so there's better ways to save when you can mitigate the fees all sorts of other things so so 529s are just you need to be cautious but god dang the publicity team is great no kidding you know they have tons of cheerleaders i'm like the lone voice in the wilderness 
telling people they saw. That, that's really interesting, Ron, though, and that's that's another reason why I wanted to call you on this thing, because uh, you're not going to hear that from a lot of people. You're not going to hear it from schools, that's for sure, with the example no. you just gave us there. No, 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 no. And you know what I say? I tell people, everybody comes around to my way of thinking eventually, because <laughs> I've thought about it more than they have. So, <laughs> at least right. when it comes to this, I've right. got a finance tax called stuff. I, I don't know anything. I know good restaurants, but I'm completely useless. <laughs> stuff, I know. But that's, you know, in this kind of, I could spend a whole other uh, segment with you on, on this question. This kind of goes towards, you know, obviously we're parents listening to this and producing this and we're concerned about it too. But here's a, here's a concern as well, because it may wind up with your kids moving back with you. Uh, you know, it's my children. If you're listening to this, daddy loves you. <laughs> that's right. We, we love you, but we don't want to see you forever. No, but, it, but if, if, if a, a four year isn't the right kind of solution for a kid and god knows they're not they're just really not is it worth looking into different kinds of programs trade schools why do we put those down all the time technical schools you know what i mean i think i think those are great opportunities too which probably also have financial opportunities so you nailed it what what's happened is and i i do believe we are about to experience a college bubble Hmm. when world war ii came around came and went before that, it was really only the elite that went to colleges. Very true. Absolutely. Then it became, then it became much more mainstream. And in the 60s, 70s, and really 80s, and even 90s, college was the sure path to success. Right, right. And by the way, I make my living helping families with college. I mean, I do other financial stuff as well, but this is what I'm known for. This is my specialty. But I, one of the very first things that we sit down with a family that has a kid going to college is we're like, what is your kid going to college for? They want to tell me where they're going. Yeah. Oh, they want to go here. They want to go here. And I'm like, oh, oh yes, that's great. Absolutely. That's like telling me about where you want to get married. And I'm asking you, and you got the whole wedding plan. Right. Who are you marrying? I'm going to find somebody on the way over there. <laughs> I'll figure it out once I get there. Right. That's right. You know, yeah, you can show up at the venue with the white dress on. And we'll find somebody. <laughs> the bus boy will be good. Yeah. So sending your kid to college without knowing why they're going. Is, is really, in today's day and age, yes, I can do a ton, and if you know the secrets, you, you will pay substantially less than your peers. Wow. Um, and you'll pay wholesale, but, but still, sending them and paying anything, unless you know why they're going there in the first place, that's a big no-no. I, absolutely. And so you've got to get that right first, because the trade school, my brother-in-law went to, like, ICT trade school back when they existed. Sure. And, you know, they have problems of their own, but he makes almost a six-figure income at barely 30, working for the sheriff sure. on their 911 system. A- absolutely. And he loves his job. Yep. He didn't take any philosophy classes or other classes. It was perfect for him. So, you know, learning to a trade, going to a trade school, that's great. And college isn't for everybody. But we, and we yeah. went through this thing, and as I can tell you, growing up, it was, it was just a foregone conclusion. You're going to college. Nobody ever asked why. You know, exactly. we'll, we'll, we'll get to the details later, but you're going to college. And it's, I bet you there are a ton of people listening to us right now, Ron, who, who actually regret. You hardly ever hear that, but regret going to college. And they feel like it was just a four years of partying. Imagine the money you wasted on that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody regrets four years of partying. That's <laughs> crazy here. That's crazy talk. <laughs> right. But, but All right. your point is made that um, it really, there. I mean, look, you start life four or five years behind. By the way, I'm all for college, but don't mistake that. Right. But you start life four or five years behind. And hey, if you don't, if your skill set doesn't require, what you're going to do doesn't require a college degree, 
you know, just go to college on the weekend and go to the parties anyway, but go do an apprenticeship or do whatever. But if you're going to go, do it intelligently, yep. you know, pay the least amount possible for the top school, and just make sure that you're there with a purpose. Because one of the number one things is, you know, what? Most schools only have a 30%, 40% graduation rate. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's great if we send kids up to like Silicon Valley, San Jose State here in California, where Silicon Valley is all right around there. So nothing makes me happier than a parent mom calling me crying, you know, like the kid dropping out. They just got a job at Google for $110,000 a year. I'm like, are you drunk? You know, like, are you high? Like, no, that's awesome. They can go finish their degree later. Like, right. this is good. This is why we sent them. But, you know, the kid that, say, goes for six years and switches majors three times and comes out with a degree that's worthless in the real world, that didn't do anybody right. any good. Right. Those yeah, are the ones that, those are the ones that waste their money. Is there, you know, Ron, it, it, here's a question. I know the answer already. I know it's obvious, but I feel like I have like a burning responsibility to ask you anyway. Is there ever a point in time ever where it's beneficial to not take any financial aid? No, that's crazy talk. <laughs> that's crazy talk. I mean, look, if there, first of all, if you're only being offered loans, and you don't need the loans, even if there's zero interest, eh, it might be more of a hassle to take them than not. But at the very least, for most parents listening to us, and I say this, I've been teaching this for longer than any of your kids were alive. If they're still, if they're 26 and under, mm-hmm. I've been teaching this longer, and most families are eligible for some aid. There's always strategies to get their costs lower that are legitimate. Like, no shenanigans, legitimate. Right. So I can't think of a single situation where, you know, we're like, no, we just hate money, we don't. We don't want to take this when he's terrible. We want to pay more. It's kind of like everybody wants to raise everybody's taxes. It's like, you know, you can spend in more. <laughs> and so it's the same here. If you feel bad about it, take the money. Give it back to the college when you get back out. But I cannot think. And, and here's another thing. Parents are like, oh, well, I don't want to ask for it because they won't let my kid in. That is generally not the case at all. And I'm trying to think, like I pause because I'm trying to think if I ever had a case if the school doesn't want to offer you money, they'll go ahead and let you in. We had it happen to Cindy Mong um, at Boston University with her kid. And mm. She had just lost her job. The dad was nowhere to be found. And they let the kid in. And they're like, great, here's your aid. A Pell Grant from the federal government. And then you need to take a loan for 55000 a year. Oof, right. And I was like, what? Right. And they're like, the school told her, well, look, you're not our number one candidate. We're barely letting you in the building. So if you want to take the loans, great. We'll extend you a slot. Otherwise, you probably should matriculate. I love how they throw those big words around. Sure. Probably should matriculate elsewhere in our esteemed Boston University. Wow. So some schools play that game, but it's never going to hurt you by telling them, hey, you're, you're asking for financial aid. Because they'll just turn around and tell you now. Doesn't your Boston University example with that, Mom, doesn't that go to show you, yes, I get it. It's the educational community. They're a school of higher learning. I get it. But you got to look at this like it's a business, don't you? They're after your money. Totally. It is a business. And that's the other thing. You know, look, man, I want to have a fleet of Ferraris in my garage. <laughs> but at the end of the day, business dictates that, no, I drive one really nice car, you know, but I don't have a fleet of them laying around. Well, college is the same. It's, it's a 150000 to $250,000 proposition. Right. Actually, two eighty. Right. Um, is the highest it goes because schools are $75,000 a year. Now, we can knock that way down. But the idea of, oh, it's your dream, it's going to be the best thing, you should just do that. If the parent has the resources, 
bless their hearts. Go for it. But for the rest of us, although I have an exception even there, because I'm like, well, when your kid gets out in the real world, you know, are you going to let them buy any house they want and you pay for it? Are you going to let them drive any car they want and you pay for it? Like, where does reality kick in? Yeah. And so I believe there's absolutely a business component and that for everybody listening to this, there is a great school out there for your kids that will work to make it affordable if you'll take the time to understand the rules. And then your kids will have a good experience and not come out with you or them saddled with massive amounts of debt. And that's the name of the game, which goes back to research. And Ron Carruthers, you've had a lot of information about like avoiding mistakes, good tips. Honestly, I think the best tip of all, though, do your research and connect with somebody like you. And you can do that through roncarruthers.com. Are you open to, we're going to get a lot of people who want to email you or ask questions directly, you know, you know, get that free advice. Are you open to doing that at all? Can people contact you? Yeah, look. Did you guys not tell I love chatting about this? So <laughs> I get busy sometimes. It might take me a little bit to get back to you. If you guys want to go to the website and email or write or call and set up a time to chat, I'm down with all that. It's Ron, so you just, roncarruthers.com where they can reach out to you. It's where it all starts. But there's a, I know there's a Facebook page on there as well, right? You have a Ron Carruthers, the, the business page, I'm sure, right? Yeah, the business page is Carruthers. Solutions, two S's in the middle, and, and you do have to spell my name right. It's linked to my personal page, and um, I try to post videos there three, four, five times a week. Yep. Sometimes it's on money stuff, sometimes it's on college stuff, probably 50 50. And um, you guys are more than welcome to reach out. And I personally believe you should reach right back out to Bill and tell Bill he has to invite me back. Yes. The <laughs> so oh. blow his email off <laughs> and tell him, Ron, we need Ron back. Ron is cool. We want to hear more Ron. We need, we need Ron. That's right. Oh, that's yeah. a, boy, we could do a lot of different segments just on college mm-hmm. stuff, Ron. That's, that's, anytime, that's awesome. Anytime you want to have me, my Florida friend, I will be happy to be on. We'll work out the three-hour time difference. We'll make it happen. Perfect. Ron Carruthers, roncarruthers.com. Great information, buddy, seriously. I mean, we had a lot of fun with it, but this is a, an issue that affects so many people. It really actually is true to go to college without going broken. You, you definitely shared that with us. So thank you for the info, my friend. I hope you do get a lot of my questions, pleasure. and we will talk to you before long, all right? Sounds great, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. You got it, buddy. That's another Cool Dad Rules in the books. Thanks so much for being here. You're an awesome parent for checking it out. I tell you what would make you more awesome. Share the podcast. Apple, Google, podcasts, free right there on your smartphone, and the Cool Dad Rules Facebook page is up. Check it out. Give it a like. Look for more content and more stuff on the way. We'll figure out this parenting thing together. My name is Bill Adams. We'll see you next time.